0: listening to coffee notes podcast with dr jill and emily p happy monday it's a beautiful day out there it is almost spring yeah it's a beautiful time of year spring we've got the echo over and done with here in brizzy and um yeah it's it's the wind wasn't as bad as it usually is which is what usually comes with time, but we have had a little bit of sadness in the last week and that was the passing of Olivia Newton-John mm.
1: and Australian that really Michael. touched me
0: growing up with Grace, her music and did you see that she um all of Olivia's music was top of the billboards?
1: <laughs> of course, <laughs> oh bless. Oh, I loved her. She's had that, such that beautiful, um, just wholesome image, you know, like her song. I remember I read an article actually um, shortly after reading about her passing on her song, Let's Get Physical. And they didn't want to sexualize it, even though it is like, if you listen to the <laughs> lyrics, <laughs> has a lot of innuendo. So instead of making it like a boudoir kind of setting for the uh, video to keep her wholesome image in check. Um, But still, to get a chart topper, they set it in a gym. But became the aerobic song of the 80s. Like, I love that so much.
0: Oh, yeah. It really rocked the the sweat bands, that's for sure. Oh,
1: absolutely. Gotta love a leotard and some leg warmers. And,
0: you know, she found her love. She had a tragedy in her life. But she found love with her... Uh, husband in her early 50s I think yep yeah and I think that's beautiful and her husband paid tribute on her uh, pages social media and you know she has had love and loss and you know we've been talking about relationships well it comes into what we're talking about today and the type of relationships over time and childhood influencing mm. relationships and the kind of person you are in a relationship and it was beautiful that Olivia did find love and had a beautiful marriage up until her her death last week you know and i think that's a lot of people hope to have uh some some form of relationship that's beautiful and strong and secure. Keyword. Yes. yes that's
1: <laughs> the buzzword of the day.
0: And why is that the buzzword of the day
1: M? Because today we're talking about a topic that we sort of touched on when we discussed parenting the other week uh, and judgmental parenting and that's attachment styles or attachment theory and this is not new. It's it has been around for decades. I don't know if it's because I'm newly single and sort of stepped into the dating scene not that long ago, or or because I'm, you know, obviously studying a lot to do with uh, uh how you know humans and psychology and that kind of thing. But the attachment theory was something that I I really only. I guess, started to really delve into uh, sort of in the last sort of 12 to 18 months uh, to, I guess, understand myself. So I'm going to pre-frame this by saying I am certainly not an expert. Uh, Anything that I share today um, will certainly be more my lived experience and from sort of what I've read about and my understanding. So
0: yeah yeah and I work with lots of clients going through divorce and separation so along with that comes uh, difficult relationships challenges within those relationships but also heartbreak Mm. and attachment styles come into do come up regularly absolutely uh, in my therapy room so if we let's go back to the the history, and I know um, you you've got a little bit to share about that history, and it was you know it, it does stem back. They do relate the your childhood relation mm. to how you are in a relationship as an adult, and if you look back to child development, you've got the stages of attachment. So the early time where you're first born up to about six weeks so it's the the pre-attachment stage where you you you, you're you're new to the world and I do believe that you start connecting with your child in the womb Uh, but then it goes on to the indiscriminate attachment which is six weeks to seven months so that's when they start to show preference for a primary caregiver and usually yes the the mother in in that instance because they're usually not all the time but breastfeeding or the the, the main caregiver uh, for that child. Then you go on to the discriminant, so that's seven-plus months and they really show a strong attachment um, to one specific caregiver. They get um, separation anxiety, and that's varying degrees as well, that they, I guess, become a little more aware of strangers as well, people they don't know, they feel safe and secure, back with mum you know even when they're mm-hmm.
1: or
0: the primary caregiver even when they're separated and they can still see their parent that key person they get mm. very they don't take their eyes off that person no.
1: um,
0: and then you've got multiple caregivers where they sort of start to go to other people more freely that they trust so whether it's, it's another significant person in their life um Grandparents, aunts, uncles, but if you look at childcare, you know, a lot of children are in childcare under 12 months. So mm. there's like a key person, a very important key person in their childcare setting as well that they become attached to, which is very special as well and it gives reassurance to even mum. So these are where the stages of attachment begin and then you go through your um early childhood development and through those phases as well. We that's a whole other episode. But let's stick <laughs> absolutely <to the> attachment <laughs> styles. So it's your relationship then with that parent as you grow through those particularly the the what they call storm and stress years of adolescence. Mm. So uh it's being a teenager I do think it's really really difficult for both you know parent and or caregiver and teen and it does there is research to show the association between your relationships with your your primary caregiver growing up Mm -hmm. what you're like as a in a relationship and the relationships that you have from there on, um, where do you want to start? I suppose we should talk about the four different types of relationships, uh, attachment styles, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when the research began, it was around looking at, as you've already highlighted, how a primary caregiver responds to the child and how the child responds to their primary caregiver. In in the early studies, obviously, it was. The mother, because as you've highlighted, you know, the mother was generally breastfeeding or, or feeding or was the main person to be responsible for that infant. So their responsiveness to that infant um, shaped how secure the infant was able to become. So there's the four styles and you hear them. They're thrown around in all sorts of different ways. Um, I'm going to use what I've heard the most. So the most common is your secure attachment. Um, the next most common is what's called your avoidance. So an insecure avoidant attachment. Then you've got the insecure att- um, anxious attachment. And then you've got the disorganized attachment, which um, is generally pretty rare um and usually occurs in uh from the research and reading I've done mainly in um sort of pretty extreme child abuse situations or if a child has been uh in foster care or and and doesn't have that uh secure one person that they can a hundred percent rely on. So your secure attachment shows up that uh, when, say, for example, the baby cries, it knows mum is going to come and uh, respond to baby's needs. Um, and your avoidance will generally be more around, I guess, the Kind of that whole cry it out style can generally start to um, be seen when, you know, before that sort of 12 months old, um, if a a baby's left for too long um, and its needs aren't met, then they can generally develop an avoidance style um, where they become more independent and they don't tend to think that they can rely on anyone. So they form that sort of style anxious attachment um, can generally happen if say the primary caregiver may be too attentive, so that's sort of that more that helicopter parenting where um, the child isn't necessarily trusted to kind of go out um, in the world kind of thing and come back that sort of the parent is always there doing absolutely everything for them um, that can show up sort of more in the they become start to become quite needy or um, reliant because they start to develop a fear that they they can't be left alone they need to always have someone there with them and I guess the disorganized I've already touched on can sort of float between the two it's um, a very uh, I guess the 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 child doesn't know at one point what the caregiver is that's going to show up. They could one minute have avoidant. They could in one minute have a caregiver who's anxious themselves, or they could be in an abusive situation where someone may blow up at them, or they may receive love. So then they start to become very confused, and that can show up in all sorts of different ways. So. That in a nutshell, I guess that can be talked about for podcasts on end. <laughs> but in a nut- nutshell, that's sort of um, how they all kind of work. And if I, I guess you it's once you start to recognize your own attachment style, it's definitely not a beat up on your parents to say. Hey, you, you know, you parented me badly and I now have an anxious attachment. It's a, it's a self-awareness uh, journey where you can then recognize that within yourself, figure out how you can best be your own parent and um, start to heal that within yourself and learn how to regulate your own emotions. And, and that's also a lot to do with the attachment styles also, is how you're able to actually regulate um, how you're feeling emotionally. If you're feeling anxious or upset, when you're secure, you can generally figure out how to, I guess, solve that for yourself um, or you know how to ask for help and express emotion. Anxious attachment, you may feel these feelings, but you're also scared to, I guess, express how you're feeling as well, because that may mean that you're, um, going to potentially cause that for the person you're trying to give it to you, maybe you know think you're too much or you know it could show up in all sorts of ways, and then you've got your um avoidance so I skip past avoidant where you are so independent you you can be quite cut off and probably a little bit cold to your emotions um and disorganized well, it could vary from minute to minute, but yeah.
0: And ideally you want obviously a secure childhood and that's not necessarily in your control when you're growing up because of the environment you're living in. And ideally you want a secure relationship and and Mm -hmm. have a secure detachment style in relationships when you're an adult. Now, just because you have a secure childhood uh, and experience attachments as growing up, it doesn't mean that that's just automatic as you're an adult. And mm-hmm. so if you have um an abusive or a neglectful parent as a child growing up and they um they're just not there for you, they're not present and they you know not the ideal parent, it, that does not mean that you can't have secure relationships as an adult. Absolutely. And it's it's the same for the others, the anxious or the the disorganized. And it's not Oh, okay, I've pigeonholed myself. I am a you know an anxious, I have an anxious attachment style. That's just who I am, and you that's it, set in stone. Mm. it It's not doesn't have to be that way. And you may have uh, you may flow between two, I think you mentioned that earlier, M, between mm-hmm. two attachment styles. Uh, just because you feel like you had the perfect childhood does not mean that you're going to automatically have that as an adult. And just because you've had uh, an awful neglectful childhood or, or one where there's limited parental availability or, um, you know, whatever it may be, it's still up to, to you. It's still your life Absolutely. to write your story and, and live it how, you want to live it as an adult and becoming aware of yourself you were talking about and before I thought that was wonderful you know getting to understand yourself Mm -hmm. and you know we do we all have that need for belonging we have that sense of belonging we want to uh belong and understanding our own identity and people that we want to be, the pe- person that we were and the people, the person that we are, it all comes into to play. And taking into account that the people, the person that you have a relationship will also have an attachment style.
1: Absolutely. And from what I've read, we tend to, when we have an, un, I, I'm going to say unhealed attachment style. So you're going mm-hmm. out into the world and you have no self-awareness of your attachment style and you're a person who holds that anxious attachment for example you may end up finding that you're you'll end up with a partner who has an avoidant attachment style and in a sense that avoid an attachment style sort of fulfills your need for your anxious attachment style because you start to they're pulling away you're looking for reassurance, you they pull away more because you're suffocating their independence and then you're continually looking for reassurance and then all of a sudden the relationship ends and you've just had your self-fulfilling prophecy of they've ended the relationship because I'm not worthy and and that continues where in fact you are incredibly worthy of being in a loving relationship it's just that both of you have come from your you know you both have your wounds and you haven't done the work to try and heal what's happened in your pasts and there's just been that clash so once you have that understanding You can then start to learn each other's attachment styles and work towards that secure attachment style and relationship. Having that
0: better understanding and communication about it. So if you've got a partner that constantly needs reassurance, they um, have feelings of anxiety and jealousy, (laughs) and this one, you know, anxiety and jealousy are common there, or they struggle to trust, they might have an anxious attachment style. If you've got a partner who has a pattern of withdrawal, tends to minimise um, your feelings, and uh, you or you may have, if you think of past relationships where they tend to have a preference for casual relationships, oh, I'm not ready you know, for anything serious, mm. uh, they're probably more the avoidant style of attachment. Or if you've got a partner that has constant feelings of unworthiness and they tend to be antisocial, uh, or aggressive and there's some confusion here then you might have a disorganized um partner a partner with a disorganized attachment and the ultimate is where you've got to secure and it mm-hmm. you can't it can be quite difficult to be you know we're human we can't just, Absolutely. no one's perfect. Right. But when you can seek support in your relationship from one another or um, external support, that and you're okay to be alone, And if you feel secure because you know and trust your partner and you can regulate emotions, including when there is conflict and you can manage that conflict within your relationship, that's a more of the secure. That's what we're all aiming for.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, so that's a attack. Ha- absolutely. Like emotionally ha- safe. Absolutely.
0: So we can't avoid conflict. Conflict happens all the day, whether you're at work, in families, in close relationships, friendships. It's ha- it's how you deal with the conflict yourself and manage it, but also it does how that other person is able to cope and that's when you you know things can turn toxic and that's a whole other episode as well and you've got to also think hmm you know that whole back to the pick your battles type thing Mm -hmm. um so if you know if someone is in a relationship, let's go back to the close relationships because that's what we're talking mainly about here with relation uh attachment styles Feeling emotionally safe. So if you're in a relationship, ideally, if you have something that is bothering you, rather than have it build up and bubble into resentment, an emotionally safe relationship, you are able to express something that is bothering you or an issue that you would like to resolve. Yes, there is conflict. It's not the time to say you're just causing drama, you just like a fight. Usually, it's because that person would like to resolve that with you and move through it. And an emotionally safe relationship that can be done.
1: And also, and when it's done and it's managed effectively, it can bring you closer because absolutely. you're able to actually share vulnerably, yeah. and you've got that openness.
0: And if a partner shows needs reassurance, then there is no harm in. Once you understand and why they need that extra reassurance over time, time is a beautiful thing and we all would like more of it, but over time, that's, and if you're doing the work, that's how the healing healing is not done overnight. However, you can help your partner heal. If they need that reassurance until they can build that trust and you can show that you're the stable person in their life, then you know, rather than saying, oh, you're so needy. Why do you need that reassurance? It's like understanding why. Okay, well, you know what? This isn't going to be forever and there's no harm in reassuring that person, saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm, you know, communication really is key. Absolutely. And I think it doesn't matter who it is, I think we can all improve in our communication skills because it's, you know, under that comes active listening, language, all those things. So, you know, it's attachment styles is really important to understand, but it is, it can be complex. So, I'm probably making it a little bit more complex than it has to be. That's me. Um, <laughs> but if we break it down, yes, ideally secure attachment style, and For the
1: majority of people. Apparently, the majority of people have a secure attachment. And if you go off track, that's okay because we're human. Absolutely. And it can be influenced, you know, by uh, the people we choose to associate with. So, you know, you may be secure, you may have a secure style, (laughs) but you may, say, partner with someone who's incredibly (laughs) avoidant and... (laughs) it brings out anxious, you know, it just, it, it it's sort of that whole shadow, like the person you're with, if you don't have the, if they don't have the tools or you're, you know, you're feeling like um, you're potentially okay, but they're not, that can seriously shape um, what goes on for you as well. And I just want to also point out that a
0: Having a certain attachment style for a period of time. So just say you're like, oh, my partner's, well, they must have a disorganized attachment style. That is no excuse for abuse either. No,
1: absolutely like, I
0: not. Just want to point that out, that it, just because somebody or your partner is leaning towards a certain attachment style, it, it's not an excuse mm. for abusive. It's,
1: it's like behavior. saying they had a really bad childhood so they're allowed to hit me. That yes, yeah. that's not a good no. That's there's never a reason to abuse anybody.
0: Absolutely not.
1: Whilst it might not be their fault that they had a crappy childhood and that they are behaving in a certain way, it's most definitely their responsibility to heal and nip that toxicity in the butt and have that self awareness.
0: And there is support so much out there. Yes. So if you are struggling with a relationship, if you are struggling with a breakup, if you are feeling alone, or if you still have wounds from childhood that just keep bubbling up, coming up and smacking you in the face, or you're struggling as a parent, because, you know, I've heard many times, I just, I don't want to be the parent that I had growing up, you know, and I think that's, Degree of self awareness is fantastic, but there is support out there, and there's no shame in seeking support to be a you know, to be the best you can be. And I think
1: everybody needs a therapist, it doesn't matter how non messed up you are, you everybody needs a therapist. Doesn't sound like me, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's the truth, it is, (laughs) it
0: is, and Obviously, finding uh, the therapist that suits you. There's, diff- you know, so many um, different styles of therapy out there. But there are therapists that even focus solely on relationships, whether there is um, between the, the uh, parent and child or relationship counselling. There's also couples counselling. There's also divorce and separation counselling hello and yes. <laughs> there's also counselling and I, I know I've helped a number of people through heartbreak mm. because when you come back stronger and have a clearer idea of your past relationship I'm not saying dwell in it but work it through yes and understand it better and working out what you may have done differently and the circumstances you can't change anybody else no and understanding what their behavior was you know was their behavior and if you're in a relationship or you're not with that person anymore yeah understanding why they may have been like that helps with acceptance as well
1: yes so much um And understanding how you show up as well, not taking responsibility for their behaviour or saying I caused them to be like that, but just being self-reflective and a little bit introspective.
0: Yeah. So uh, a lot of therapists would employ the um, attachment and acceptance therapy for helping people through that. That's my dog having sleeping barks.
1: love that <laughs> oh, he some attachment issues yeah I'll, yeah well my cat Yeah, whenever I jump on a podcast the anxious attachment comes out so I've definitely helicopter parented my cats they're like children
0: yes and uh, my puppy dog is probably a little bit more towards the anxious attachment style ever since uh he's a couple of long stints in hospital oh. late last year so He's become the most neediest dog, but he needs lots of reassurance, which is, <laughs> I mean, he fits the anxious attachment style perfectly if you want to see it in action.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I mean, see, so it's not just humans that expect it. It's, uh, animals, too, uh, very much. um Not immune to that whole, and I guess you know they lost their primary caregiver at a young age, so they're going to be (laughs) prone to become that for them.
0: (laughs) And you can understand why you know those dogs that are abused when they're they're younger, that you know they've got that disorganized attachment style.
1: So much. So yeah, they have understanding for everyone. But, you know,
0: if you would like to look further into attachment styles, you just got to look up. It's easily found on Google. Um, John Bowlby's done lots of research since Mm. the 1950s on this. Uh, So lots of info, lots of uh, infographics as well to, you know, if you're more of a visual learner, they're really good. Mm. Uh, I I love a good infographic. I must say. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I knew that we were doing this topic, I hadn't taken an attachment style test for a while. So I jumped on. I can't remember what my result was now. I was just more excited about having a play around with it. All you have to do is Google, and there's lots of tests that you can do. Now, they're not perfect, um, but it's anything. definitely
1: a buzz thing. Yeah. It, it's It's trending. But you can get
0: an idea of what um, your attachment style is like, but you might also give you an idea of your partners as well. Yes. And it, it, it really does give that understanding not only to self, but also other people you've got a close relationship with. So looking at, at it from a parent's perspective, a child's perspective, and a partner perspective. Yes. Did we make it more complex or simple?
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm I, not feel, sure I, feel like, I feel like we're just, what, I guess the underlying theme is understand yourself so you can make your relationships better so you can show up better in your own life and also recognising how you can parent your children so that they can grow up with that secure attachment, you know, know, uh, learning how to respond to your baby's needs and kind of gently knocking someone over the head with a book. If they try and tell you that you can spoil a baby because you can't, um, babies can't (laughs) manipulate us. They don't learn how to manipulate us until they're about seven years old. So um, yeah.
0: Our next one will be on life, lifespan development. I hope you've all enjoyed listening to Attachment Styles and that you are motivated to go and look further into it. It is a really interesting topic. It affects everybody. Our you know, everybody has a unique childhood and you can I I don't even have a quote for today, but now would be a perfect time for a quote. Uh, you know, Everyone wants to live uh, a wonderful life and we all have a, that need and want for belonging. And, you know, it's in, it's important that relationships are important to humans. Absolutely. And, you know, just looking at our relationship, and
1: um, mm-hmm. you know,
0: we have a close, close relationship and it's one of the most important relationships in my life. Not it just is. in the way of, well, we've got our friendship, but also business. Absolutely. So it's, you know.
1: Oh. I, I have just stumbled across the perfect quote too. Oh, please. Yes. Share, so
0: share.
1: I'm not sure who the author is, but it was just a random quote I found one day and screenshotted it. So it's just saved on my phone. But if we want our relationships to flourish... We must take the time to know and understand ourselves, our fears, and our own blocks to intimacy. Perfect. I know, right? Thank you, universe, or whatever.
0: (laughs) And this is why I I, I love you. I love us. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Em. I always love seeing you, hearing you. Likewise, Jelly, and it's already halfway through August. But I don't know what we're doing next week for a topic, but we will share it on our Insta. If you have any topic ideas or you have a story to share, uh, please email us at coffeenotespodcast at gmail dot com. If you, we would love to hear from you. But I think that's it for us this week, and we'll be back again next week. Sounds awesome. You're listening to Coffee Notes Podcast with Dr. Jill and Emily P.